Okay, so this evening's discussion is going to be about the Haggadah, Shal Pesach. So, <laughs> the truth is, the, the point of this is, is for us to read through some of the Haggadah and to analyze some of the text. Now, because there is uh, an infinite amount of commentary on the text of the Haggadah, just like perhaps maybe the Haggadah supersedes all other works in the commentaries, maybe not the not the Torah, not the uh, the Mosaic Code, or perhaps maybe not the Ethics of Our Fathers, maybe not the Kiavos, but there is a lot written every year. There's more and more Haggadahs, as you as as is evident from what we left on the table. So this our discussion this evening will be snippets into the insights of the Haggadah from different commentaries that hopefully will enrich our Seder, make it a little bit better. So, you're welcome to take any Haggadah of choice, and we're going to read some of it inside and analyze. So, which Haggadah are you using? I am going to be using different Haggadahs. This particular moment, I have the Haggadah of the Vilna Gon open. Okay. So, <coughs> we're going to start with the actual text of the Haggadah, which is called Magid, and the paragraph entitled Halach Manya. The poor man's bread, the poor, the poor bread. So I can't tell you what page it's on because uh, every Haggadah is a different page. But it's at the beginning, after the Kiddush, after the sanctification. So the Haggadah says, "What?" Uh, I wish I could. <laughs> the Haggadah says, "Halach manya." This is the uh, poor man's bread. The acholu av hasana. That our forefathers have re- have uh, eaten in the land of Egypt. Whoever is hungry should come and eat. Whoever needs Today we are in Arizona or Kansas City. And next year we're going to be in the land of Israel. Hashata Avdi. Today we are slaves. Lashona Habab Nechorin. In the next year we're going to be free. So the Vilna Gon, who passed away in the late 18th century, very prolific writer, father of the uh, modern day yeshiva movement, basically. And the Haggadah that was compiled in his name or in his commentary we're going to share the, his insight into the meaning of this paragraph to enrich the understanding of this paragraph a little bit. So he says as follows. He says like this. And this is a very interesting shot. This is a very interesting explanation. He says that basically there are, three, there are four types of poor people. There's four types of poverty. Number one is person doesn't have what to eat. Okay? So I remember that uh, when I was younger... Uh, we did not have, my, my, my mother and I, we did not have what to eat. We waited for uh, the check to come in the mail before we went to the store to purchase food. Okay? So the first level of poverty is, is one does not have what to eat. No food. Okay? The second level of poverty is, is that one has what to eat. However, one does not have what they need. They might not have um, clothing. They might have what to eat, sufficient amount of food, whatever it is, you know, fruits, vegetables, whatever it may be. 
but there's not enough clothing for the children. There might not be uh, sufficient room in the house. Might need, uh, might have one car and uh, need two cars, whatever it may be. Right? The second level of poverty is is one does not have what to, they don't have everything that they need. They don't have all the necessities. You know, they can't pay the bills. Uh, the credit card bill is going up and up and up, and they can't pay the bills because they just can't. Um, they just can't pay everything that they owe. Okay, that's the second level of poverty. The third level of poverty is the poverty of travel. So when one travels, unless one travels first class, uh, one doesn't have everything that they need. There's poverty involved in travel. Okay, and the third level of poverty is, the fourth level of poverty is, is when one is not in control of themselves. When one is a slave, when one is in a jail, one is a, one is a prisoner to somebody else's manipulation or subjugation or sovereignty or whatever it may be, right? When one is un- incapable of, or they don't have the freedom to do whatever they want to do. That's, that's also called poverty. There's four types of poverty. Now, those four people, because it is considered to be a, a poverty, it's considered to be poor, therefore, if there is salvation that comes from this poverty, there is an obligation to thank Hashem. Corresponding to those four levels of poverty, four levels of pro- poverty, the Talmud tells us in Tractate Brachos, on page 54b, the Talmud says that there are four people, there are four people that need to give haidah. They need to say what it, the bracha, the special bracha that we say called Birchas HaGomel, which is, uh, the, the Talmud is codified in, in the section of, of the Court of Law called Orachayim, 219, number one. And in number two, it says that they have to say a bracha, they have to say a special blessing when they become saved, when they become salvaged from their, from their issues. What are those four people? Those four people are, those four people are a person who is sick and becomes healed. Okay, so for example, my father was once, he was hit by a car. So he was in the hospital, blood pressure went very low, and uh, almost, uh, it was a very dangerous situation. When he became better, when he became better, so he made a party for the 100 or 200 of his closest friends, and he publicly thanked Hashem for, uh, for letting him live. You're kidding. Okay, That's a lot of money. What? So you, you have to make such a big party? So you, you don't have to make such a big party, but there, is, there are sources that you should make such a party. So he, be, he made a party, right? He made it, he thanked Hashem, like, the, like, the, like it says in the Court of Law. Uh, you know, the minimum is, is in the shul. When one gets called up to an aliyah in shul, to the Sefer Torah, so they should say this bracha. They should say this bracha of thanking Hashem for saving them from, 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 from being sick. That's number one. So number the Gomel, is that Gomel. Okay. Right, number two. The second one is, the second one, one is travels in the ocean. One who travels at sea. And in those days, I guess it was uh, much more dangerous than it is today. When one finishes traveling at sea, they also have to say this bracha, this blessing, they have to thank Hashem. The third level is if somebody travels in a, in a barren desert area. Somebody travels in a barren desert area. Just uh, pick a Haggadah. Have a seat. If a person travels in a barren desert area and they come out of that, they should also say this bracha. And the next person is, is one who goes to jail. Somebody gets arrested for, uh, somebody gets arrested for embezzling or uh, uh, insider trading and they get, uh, they, 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 they come out of jail. They have this, a special blessing. They have to say a special blessing for. They have to say a special blessing for to thank Hashem for saving them from from being in jail. 
Now, those four people that have to thank Hashem correspond to the four levels of poverty. Those four situations are like being poor. It's like being poor, right? So, for example, right, person, a person who has no food. That's a poverty. Not having any food is being poor. So, what does that correspond to? That corresponds to somebody who is sick and gets better. Because a person who's not going to, doesn't have any food, it's like they're sick. They're going to start. They're going to starve. Right? So, it corresponds to the person who's sick and they're going to get better. Okay? That's one. Um, two is a person who, um, <coughs> a person who is, a person who is uh, traveling in the ocean. So that person corresponds to somebody who cannot have everything that they want. Somebody who cannot have what the, everything that they want. Right? They have food, but they can't have what, whatever they want. Says the film a person who travels at sea is never satisfied with what they have until they're at land. You know, there, there is, I don't, I don't know exactly the psychology. I never traveled at sea. Because there's a limit, there's an in, inherent limitation in being on the ocean. So it's like there's a psychological there is, state yeah, that uh-huh. a person is in. When they travel yeah. at sea, they feel like they're not satisfied with what they have until they're at land. When they, they feel like they're at home, they need to be in the, they need to be at land. They need to be on. So that's, that's a poverty too. That's a different type of poverty. If somebody is, um, okay, which ones did we cover? Right, uh, um, you covered the sick and the cured and the traveling on the ocean. Traveling in the ocean, and we have left the uh, the, 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 the we have left the one that's the, the the one that's in the desert, right? It comes out of the desert, and the other one was in jail. Yeah. In jail, the other one was in jail. So, oh, by the way, I forgot to say that this is hinted to in the Shmon Esrei. In the Shmon Esrei, we say in the, in the in it, towards the end of Shmon Esrei. Towards the end of the silent prayer, we say, "V'hol hachayim yodu chasela," and all life will say thank you to you. Right. So the word chayim corresponds to these four things. Chayim is chayim is ches yod yod mem. So the ches stands for chole, sick person who became better. Yod is yam, uh, ocean, right. Mem is Midbar, is, is a person who gets, uh, who is who, traveling in the desert. And the other Yod is Yisurim, one who goes through, one who goes through pain, who is, uh, I am, uh, one second, to make a, can I borrow a piece of paper, a piece of paper from you? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so one more time. Ches is chole, uh, right? Person who gets sick. Yod is one of them is yam. The other yod is the mem is midbar, right? Midbar. Mm-hmm. So we said that the four people are person who goes into the ocean, right? Yod the hayam. People who go into the midbar, a uh, chole, and person yisurim. The other yud stands for Yisurim, which is affliction. The person is in jail. Okay? Really? That's considered affliction. What? That's considered affliction. That's considered right. So, v'chol ha'chayim, yudu chasela. All those people are alive. All those people are salvaged from those four things, from those four levels of poverty, are, are going to thank you. Wow. So, you see that there's, there, has to be, there has to be a thanks for those four, uh, four things. Now, we said the, that there's four types, of, there's four types of, 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 of poor people. One person who... 
who uh, who gets sick. That corresponds to Ra'avon. That corresponds to being hungry, right? Going into the ocean corresponds to the person who who is uh, who doesn't have everything that they want because they're in a psychological state where they're not satisfied, right? Now, um, the other was go- going into the going into the desert. Midbar is going into the desert. What was the other? And jail. The, and the jail. Going into the desert and the jail. And we, we have two po- levels of poverty left. Right. So with the one level of poverty left is servitude, being a slave. So that goes, that's the, that's the jail. Right. And the traveling poverty that one one travels, that's in the desert. Okay. Those are the four levels of poverty which correspond to the four people that have to say thank you. So in other words, there are four levels of being impoverished in some way, and for those four levels, when one is saved from those four things, then one has to thank Hashem. Okay? So far, so good? Clear. Okay. So... Jail is like being a slave. Jail yes. is like being a... Sl- jail is like being a slave. Right, exactly. Jail is like being a slave. Fine. We got it. Okay? So far, so good. This is the the the, the Vilna Gaon. The oh, calculations the have to be. Gaon? This is the this is all explanation of the Vilna Gaon. Yes. What? Yes. 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 Fine. So we got those. Yeah. We got those. Did you have to wear those pink shorts? I don't know. I don't know what you have to wear. Okay. In Sheriff Arpaio's jail. In Arizona. In Arizona, you have to do that. Okay. Now, now we say that matzah is called is called what? Matzah is called lechemoni, like the Talmud tells us, like we read it here in the Haggadah. It's called poor bread, mm-hmm. right? And it's also, it's, it's, it's a Talmud. The Talmud says that in Tractate Psalm, on page 115b. It's called lechemoni, poor bread. Right, now why is it called lechemoni? So the Talmud gives three explanations. One is, the word oni, which means poverty, also means to say, Right? So it's oh, what yeah, happens yeah, now. Yeah. What happens now in the Haggadah? We open, we uncover the matzah, right? We uncover the matzah and we say magid. We tell the story of Pesach. So we say a lot of words by the matzah. That's why it's called poor. It's called uh, poor bread. Okay. Reason number three. Is, number two is reason number two is is because it's like a cracker. It's like a. It's like a. Um, it, we break off the middle matzah in the middle of the seder. Right? So it's like, a, it's like a cracker. It's a broken piece of prusa. Reason number three is, is that, is that, is that the baking process is done, has to be done very quickly. So therefore, one's wife does the kneading, so to speak, in the, Russian, in the, in the expression of the Talmud, and the, and, and the husband does the baking, throws it into the oven. has to be done very quickly. Reason number four... Wait a minute, what does that have to do with lechem on? That's why it's called poor bread, because it's produced in a way that a poor person would produce because he doesn't have enough wood for his oven. So he has to, the, 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 his wife, one person has to knead, the other person has to throw it into the oven. Okay? Now, reason number four is, it only has water, says the only going, it only has water and flour. It doesn't have uh, honey and other things. Okay? Now, the Vilma Gohan says, now here, listen carefully, Rabbeitan, right? The Vilma Gohan says that for every aspect of life, there are four facets. One of them is the action, the image, the matter, and the purpose. For example, he says, right, 
Oh, so in each one of those four facets, there is a poor way to approach it and a rich way to approach it. Okay, for example, just to make this uh, 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 understandable, let's say, right, I want to buy a table, a wooden table, uh, a table. Okay, so what is that? So there's four facets to the table. There is the matter of the table, which is what, the, what is the material that the table is made out of. So a rich person will make it out of gold, will make it out of silver, will make it out of mahogany wood that's stained, right? A poor person will take pressed wood. He'll go to, uh, I don't know, Ikea. No, I'm just joking, <laughs> right? He'll, go, he'll buy a, a pressed wood table because he can't afford it. So in the matter of this table, there is rich and poor approach. Then there is what it looks like. The rich person will make it ornate. He'll have it designed, right? He'll have it uh, with, uh, sculpted in, in, in a way that he wants. The poor person will just have it plain. He just, he'll just have it simple, right? Now, in, as far as the table is concerned, the rich person, now the action. The rich person in the action will do what? He'll hire a, cra- he'll hire a carpenter to he'll hire a Rabbi Yassi. He'll hire Rabbi Yassi, right? And he'll, he'll have, uh, he'll, he'll, he'll cut the table, he'll stain the table, design the table. And what is the poor person going to do? The poor person is going to do it himself. Why should he spend the money? He'll do it himself, right? That's the action. And now the final, the purpose. What does the rich person need a table for? To have dinner at the table, to have delicacies, to have fine, uh, you know, wine or uh, cheese and crackers, right? Whatever it may be. That's what the rich person needs a table. What about the poor person? The poor person just needs to eat it, to eat food. And when he doesn't have food, what does he do? He schmoozes and clutches about, about that he doesn't have food. What does the rich person do with his table? He has uh, an elaborate uh, oh. meal. But the poor person doesn't always have a meal. Sometimes he just crutches at the table, just sits and crutches. <laughs> right? Those are, there's every aspect, there's four, there's four, way, there's four things. Um, the, 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 the matter, the, the shape that the matter takes, the action into which the, 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 it comes into, and the purpose of it. Right? And there is the rich way to approach it and the poor way to approach it. The same thing with the production of bread. There's a rich way to approach it and the poor way to approach it. So the four reasons of why it's called lechemoni, it's called the poor bread, those four reasons reflect the four facets. The four facets that, uh, that, that we just mentioned in every, every part of life. So for the matter, now let's go through the, uh, through the, uh, through the, the, through the matzah and the reasons that the Talmud says. The matzah is what? It is, you can make it with honey, or you can make it with water. Right? So if you make it with honey, it's called matzah shira. If you make it with water flowers, just regular matzah. So it's called regular matzah, because the, the, uh, the, um, the matter of the matzah, it's called poor matzah, because the matter of the matzah is poor. It's water and, and, and flour. Now, it's also called poor matzah because in the action, in the way that it's produced, it is also poor because, yes, one person needs the dough and the other one throws it into the oven. Well, bread is not made that way. And also in the appearance, it's poor because if we break it in half during the Seder, it's only a piece. It doesn't have to be a piece like the other, like we usually have, Lecha Mishnah, two loaves of bread. And also in the purpose of it, it's also poor because... 
we, it's not really poor because it's called Lechemonim because we say the Haggadah on the Matzah. Okay? So there's, now you've, you've guessed by now that the magic number in this insight on the Haggadah is four. Wait a minute, I missed the last one. I'm so sorry. The last, the last of the four after the, the matzah is broken. It's called lechamoni because the word ona means aniya, like aniya samein, like answering. That's the last one? Yeah, that's in the, in the action of in making the, the, the and, and I'm sorry, in the purpose of the matzah. Oh, the purpose. The purpose is, is that we should tell the, 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 the Pesach story through the matzah. Okay? And what's the purpose of bread? That just to eat it and have fun and get fat. Right? Yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Okay. So okay. So there's four levels of poverty. There is four people that have to say the bracha of the gomel, which corresponds to those four levels of poverty. And there's four aspects to the matzah, which corresponds to those four levels of poverty. And that's why it's called lechamoni. Okay. So far, so good. Now, there is a level of poverty which we didn't mention, which trumps them all. And that is what the Talmud tells us in Tractate Nidorim on page 41a. The Talmud says that we say in Parshas Kisovo, the Torah gives a curse to the Jewish people if they don't listen to the mitzvahs of Hashem. The Torah says, if you don't listen to the mitzvahs, you're going to, miss, you're going to be missing everything. You won't have anything. So the Talmud asks, what does it mean not to have anything? Like, what, what does that mean exactly? That's a very general statement. What do you mean you'll be bechoser kol? You'll be missing everything. What does it mean you'll be missing everything? So the Talmud says, you know what you're going to be missing? De- das. You're going to be missing the mind. You're, gonna, you're not going to understand what's going on. You're going to, right, uh, you're going to lose your mind from, from, from what you see. That's what's going to be. And that is the, the biggest level of poverty. Because if the person doesn't have a mind, they don't understand. That, there's no, right? that is the true poverty. We've discussed that uh, statement of the Talmud at length. Okay? Fine. Now, this, now, every, now that we have this concept, we can read the Halachmanya with the Vilna Gon's understanding. Ready? Do we all have it open to the Halachmanya? What did you say? Okay, yeah, you got it, fine. Okay. Now, halachmanya, right? This is the poor bread. Okay? So, this is the poor bread. There's two ways to understand the halachmanya, right? The word hey aleph can also be read as hey, which means five. Okay? So, halachmanya, this is the poor, this is the poor bread. He explains this a little bit more at length, but this is, it's beyond the, the scope of our conversation. But it's the poor bread. There are five aspects of poverty, which we just discussed. Wow. That's one way to read it. Another way to read it is, is the word, the difference between the word matzah and matzah and chametz is what? What letter is the difference between chametz and matzah? Hey and ches. Right? Hey stands for which word? For, it stands for five, the number, but it also stands for... Hashem? No, no, no. For which? No. Matzah or Chometz? Matzah. Matzah? It stands, okay. The hay stands for Matzah. Okay. So this, you can read it also, this is the poor hay. Halachmanya, it's the poor hay. What's the poor hay? The poor hay is, look in the, in the text, 
If you see a hey, it's really a combination of a dalit and a vav. The little, the first on the right side is a dalit. Inside the hey, the little thinkamajig is a vav. A poor hey is a dalit. A poor hey is a dalit. So there is the woman going, a poor hey is four types of poverty. The poor man's bread represents the four aspects of poverty that we said. You hear? Now, says the Vilna the rest of the Halach Manya represents these four levels. Number one, the Acholu Av Hasana Ba'arad the Mitzrayim. Right? This is the bread that was eaten by our forefathers in the land in, 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 in Mitzrayim. Kobichvin, whoever is hungry, first level of poverty, one who has nothing to eat. Come and eat. That's the first level of poverty. One who does has nothing to eat. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Next one. Whoever needs. Person has what to eat. But they don't have what they need. What they do not have, they don't have enough to make a Pesach. So whoever needs. Let him go and make a Pesach. That's level number two. Level number three. We are now here. Where is here? In the diaspora. We're in Arizona. We're in Kansas. We're in Ohio. Right? We're in uh, Iran. Yeah? We're, we're, we're here. So what does that mean? What does that correspond to? The traveler. The person who's traveling who's poor because he's traveling. Right? In the next year, we're going to be in the land of Israel. Now we are slaves. That's the fourth level of poverty. Being slaves, in servitude. Lashon ha'boah, b'nei chorim. And next year we're going to be b'nei chorim, free people. And says the, right. So these are the four levels of poverty that we are indicating at the beginning of, our, of the agoda to thank Hashem for saving us from all these four levels. Ah, you're going to ask me that we're still in Golas, we're still in the diaspora, and we're not in the land of Israel, and we're still slaves to the government that we're in. The answer to that is, L'shona HaPor, the next year we're going to be in the land of Israel. L'shona HaPor, we're going to be free. In Mitzrayim, when they were in Egypt, they didn't have a hope of a L'shona HaPor. They didn't sing a L'shona HaPor. Mm-hmm. Right? They didn't sing L'shona HaPor after they finished uh, Shavuot. So after they finished uh, whatever they finished. They didn't sing, go in a circle and sing whatever the song is, L'shona HaPor. They didn't sing that. Why? Because when they were Mitzrayim, they gave up hope. That's what the Torah says. They gave up hope. There was no L'shona HaPor. But by us, we're free from the Egyptian uh, m- mental mindset of there's no Lashon Abba. And now we're saying Lashon Abba. So therefore, we're thinking, we're part of the saying the Agodas, and we have to have in mind that we're thanking Hashem for freeing us from the four levels of, of, of poverty. And therefore, there says the Vilna Gaon, there's also the four sons and the four cups, right, all corresponding to these four, to these four levels of, of poverty that we're thanking Hashem for. Okay? So, right, that is the the the, the only goings uh, inside on the halach Wow, thank you. That was very well presented. He's uh, he's he's a, the only is unbelievable. That's why he's called the gon. That's why he's called the genius. Okay, so now we do the next paragraph. Manishtana wow, wow, that's really wow. That was very good. All right, thank you. Um, Manishtana hazeh. I hope I'm going to be able to read my scribble. What is the difference this night? From any other night. Can I use the rest of this? Please, night? please. It's not really fair because they have to. So. Okay, but anyway, this is already 
not useful. Oh, so it's useless. The whole month is good. No, but I mean, once he wrote on it, they can't use it. So therefore, okay. No, so I'm, let's I'm continue. Using the paper, I'm not using up there. Manishtana halaylaze. What is the difference this night? Mikol alos from any other night. Shibuchol alaylos that all the other nights on the ochlim chametzumata. All the other nights we eat chametzumata. Halaylazek kuloy mata. Tonight. The whole thing is la, is matzah. Shibuchoros on ochlem shayirokos. We eat the rest of the vegetables. Halayla hazeh mara. Tonight we're eating mara. Shibuchoros in on matpil matpilu pamachos. We don't dip even one time. Halayla hazeh shteipa amim. Tonight we dip two times. Shibuchoros on ochlem ben yoshim ben misubim. We eat whether we whether we sit or whether we lean. Halayla hazeh kulonu misubim. Tonight. We all are leaning, right? So now here we turn to the Belza Haggadah called the Kol Yehuda, who asks a very interesting question. He asks the Belza Haggadah in the Kol Yehuda asks that the question is funny. The question is funny. Manishtana halaylase. What is the difference this night than any other night? That's not the question. The question is why is it tonight, right? Every other night we don't dip at all. Tonight we leave, we're, we're dipping two, two times. Why do we mention anything about the night at all? Just say, why are we dipping to, uh, to the, uh, two times? Or, or say, okay, tonight why are we dipping two times? Why do you have to say, why did this night change from all the other nights? Mikol mm-hmm. Alelos. Right, because this night, what do we have to, what is this whole sing song with the, with the, uh, with the tonight? The answer is so that in approximately 2001, Somebody could make up a joke about it. That's the reason it says Manishtana. Okay, maybe. That's, that's, you know, you know, the, you know there's, the there's 30 Haggadahs on the table. Oh, you know the joke about the night, right? Uh, no. You want to know the joke about uh, Maybe the later, after okay. the going fine. All right. So he says, he says like this, the, the Kol Yehuda, the Belza the Haggadah says like this. He says a very interesting shot. He says from the Maram Milublin. He says that later on in the Haggadah we say like this. Later on in the Haggadah we say, the Ram Gamliel said, whoever doesn't say these three things on Pesach, right, he doesn't fulfill their obligation. What are those three things that a person has to say? Pesach, Matzah, Umarah. Right? So he says, Pesach, now listen to the language of the Haggadah uh, that continues after that paragraph. The Haggadah says, the sacrificial lamb that our forefathers ate at the time that the Beis Hamikdash was standing, Al Shuma. What was it for? What is it for? Al Shum etc. Right? Matzu. This matzah that we're eating, Al Shuma. What is it for? Al Shum because right. Uh, then can you this morning we're eating Ashuma, what is it for? Asks the the Maram Luplin. What kind of formulation of a language is this? What do you mean uh, what is it for? You should say, Why are we eating it? The question is not why is it for, but the question is why are we eating it? Why are we eating Pesach? Why are we eating matzah? Why are we eating Mara? Right? It shouldn't be what is it for? Mm-hmm. Okay, you hear? That's the, the question. What? It has something to do with the Ma? Why? Why is he? What? What? Right. That's that, that is the that, that that's the that's the question. Why does he say Ashuma? So says the Maran Lubin. He says like this. Very interesting. He says that that it could be misconstrued that when we ask the question, 
is that we're making our eating of the matzah contingent upon what the answer to the question is. In other words, it could be that the reason why I'm asking the question is because before I eat the matzah, I want to know why I'm eating the matzah. Because it could be. If the reason is not good enough, I won't eat the matzah. Right? I won't eat the, the, the mora. I won't eat the pesach. Right? And that's not true. Because we're eating the matzah, we're eating the pesach, we're eating the mora, even if we don't understand why. Mm-hmm. Right? There's a proof. There's a thousand Jews, uh, millions of Jews that are eating the, the, the matzah. They don't know why, but they eat the matzah anyway. We don't, we don't ask questions because God said so. He said to eat the matzah, so we eat the matzah. We're not questioning the reason behind the why we're eating the matzah so that if the answer doesn't satisfy us, we're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Right? Therefore, says the Maram Lublin, we're not asking matzah that we are eating, why are we eating it? Instead, we're asking, this matzah that we're eating it, why? Not that, right? If we would say, why, why am I eating the matzah, then it sounds like I'm asking that if I didn't know the reason for what I'm eating the matzah, I wouldn't eat the matzah. Mm-hmm. Now that I say, now that I say, why is the matzah, instead of not mention the word eating, right? Why am I eating the matzah? Then it sounds like I just want to know the reason why I'm eating the matzah anyway. Mm-hmm. So the proper way to ask a question, says the Maram of the plan, the proper way to ask the question is, is not to make it sound as if you are questioning of what you're doing. Instead, it should be, I'm just curious about what we're doing, but I'm doing it anyway. Yeah, that's, the, that's what he says. And he quotes the Chassam Sofer in Parshas Sav, in his commentary on the Torah, says that that's the difference between the wise person's question and the uh, Russia's question. For, let, let, if you could find the place, because I don't know which other it is, but if we turn to the four sons, right, so the four sons, uh, just a little bit later, a few pages later, that the Torah speaks about the four sons, right, right. depending on how many pages you have of commentary in your Haggadah, mm-hmm. it's a few pages later. Oh, the says, Mom. So the, uh, the, uh, but the Russia also says ma. Oh ma. See, I can't find. I have too much com, too much bells are uh, commentary oh, yeah, in my agoda. Yeah. So the wise person says, the wise person says like this. Chacham. The chacham says like this. Ma edus va'chukim va'mishpatim. What are the statutes, the law, the 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 the, 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 the testimonies, the statutes, and the laws that Hashem has commanded you? What does the evil person say? The evil person says, Ma, avoid what is this service to you? Says the Chassam Sofer, what's the difference between their question? He's saying to you? The Rebotan is saying to you, he's excluding himself. Right? Says the Chassam Sofer, that the Chacham, that the, the wise person, do you see where it is? The wise person never asks about the service. He never says, what is this service that you're doing? All he says is, what are these laws? What's the reason for the laws? The, the Russia says, what is the service that you're doing? The Russia is saying, why should I do this? Mm-hmm. Right? He's saying, why should I do this? Uh, maybe it doesn't make sense to me. Maybe it's not. The, the wise person is saying, what's the reason for this? Now why should I do this? Which means that I'm doing this anyway. I just want to know the reason why. I want to understand it. That's the difference between the Russia and the Chacha. Okay? So in summary says the uh, the Kol Yehuda, that, when we, that, that the Torah, the reason why we keep the Torah is because Hashem said. That's like we tell our children, right? And we say, but why should I uh, go to the bathroom even though I need to make? So you say, 
because I said so. Right? You don't give a reason. You don't say because you're going to feel better or, you know, you might have an accident or whatever. Right? You just say because I said so. That's the reason why you have to do it. Because I said so. Because they're not going to understand. They're not mature enough to understand everything that we tell them. Right? So the reason why we keep the Torah is because Hashem said so. Now that we that we're doing it, but they said so. Now we can ask. Well, okay, fine. Maybe I'll try to understand. I'm going to try to understand why it's beneficial for me to go to the bathroom when I have to go, right? Uh, whatever the reason is, I can't understand it. I can't understand. It. That's the proper the proper way to ask. Okay. Now we can answer our question that we asked as to why do we have this sing song of Manishtana Alaylazeh Mikolalos? Why does this night change from all the other nights? So the question that we asked is. Don't say that whole sentence at all. Just say, why are we, uh, why are we uh, not eating comets tonight? What do you have to say? Why did this night change from all the other nights? That's the question. So says the Bel's Haggadah, the Kol Yehuda. He says, because we're, we're, if we would say, why are we eating matzah, t- why are we eating matzah tonight instead of comets, then it would sound like we're, we're, we're saying that uh, if the reason is not good enough, we're not going to eat the matzah. Therefore, we say, we don't address the matzah directly. Instead, we say, why is this night different than the other night? I'm eating the matzah, but I want to understand why I'm eating the matzah. I'm eating the matzah. It doesn't matter why I'm eating the matzah because Hashem said so. But I'm trying to understand the reason behind it. Right? So we're teaching the child because the child has to ask the question. Right? So that's the custom. If the children ask this question, Manishtana, we're asking them the proper way to approach their study, to approach learning. Then when they ask the parents the question is, is they're not going to question their authority. They're not going to question, um, of, uh, you know, why should I do it? Right? They're not going to be a, uh, with, with chutzpah. But they, should, they, they can ask the question when they want to know what it is, but they're doing it anyway. That's what we teach them. And they're, they're, we're teaching them this by, 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 by providing from them the proper nusaf, the proper formulation of the words, so that it is already inculcated in their subconscious when they're two and they get up on the chair and they say the manishtan. Okay, that's the Belzer Rebbe's wow. insight on the Manishtana. Amazing. Thank you. No questions? Did you go through all these Haggadahs to decide which particular things to talk uh, about? No, it's impossible. It's really impossible. It's like, an, it, there's so many Haggadahs, it's impossible. Right, I know. Uh, it, it is, I once saw like an encyclopedia of books that are written, and the biggest entry was for the Haggadah Shofesa. Oh. And now there's going to be another one. Rabbi Howland is making a Haggadah. Yeah, he told me he's writing a Haggadah, so, you know, call Haggadah, we have another Haggadah to read. Right? It, doesn't, it just doesn't end. It doesn't end. Everybody... Well, good. That's a good thing. No, no, Baruch Hashem is just saying that it's... Oh, uh, no. I just picked them randomly. They're all my favorite. They're it's diplomatic. It's, 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 it's impossible. It is just, everybody is... Amazing. Yeah. We would spend. We would. We would never finish the seder if we were right. to go through all our favorite hot Absolutely. Okay. So um, now we start with the next paragraph. We read the next paragraph. The next paragraph. This one is very complicated. Is the answer to the children's question? What's the answer to the children's question? That is, avodim hayinu lefarabim The reason why we do all these things is because we were servants to Paro in Mitzrayim. V'yotiyanu Hashem Elokeinu, V'yotiyanu Hashem Elokeinu, Misham, B'yad Hashem took us out of there with a strong and stretched out hand. V'yilu v'oit ha'kosh baruchu, Es ha'vuseinu mitzrayim, 
If Hashem would not take us out of Mitzrayim, Hari Anu Uvaneinu Uvnei Vaneinu Mishubadim Hayinu Lefaro Bimitzrayim. We would be us and our children, our children's children would be in servitude to Paro in Mitzrayim. Vafilu Kulonu Chachamim, even if we're all wise, Kulon Nevonim will understand, Kulon Azikinim will all establish scholars. Kulonu Yodim is Torah, even if we all know the Torah, Mitzvah Leinu, it is a mitzvah. We're Sater, Biyatiyas Mitzrayim, to. Uh, discuss the exodus from Egypt. Whoever talks about it the most, this person is praiseworthy. Okay, so the, the Ritva in his Haggadah, Rabbi Rabbi Yantov, Rabbi Yantov uh, ben Avraham uh, El Shvili, who was a rabbi in Spain in thirteen in thirteen. Uh, 19. In 1319, he was a student of the Rashba and a student of the uh, of the Ra'ah. He published a commentary on the entire Talmud Bavli, which we have here at the Kolel, an entire Bavli on the same year that it was ordered by the Inquisitor that the Talmud should be burnt. Okay, so he, this is the, 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 he he in in the he also wrote a lot of different books, um, and in his commentary. In the Talmud Bavli, there is printed a commentary on the Haggadah. Okay, so in the, his Haggadah, in his commentary, at the end of uh, Tractate Sachim, obviously makes sense, right? He asks the question that probably many commentaries ask, and that is, is that, what are we saying in the Haggadah here? We are saying, and this, the answer is a little bit of a trick answer, so whatever, right? But he asks the question, the question like this, that we're saying that if Hashem did not take us out of Egypt, then we would all be still there. Right? We'll all still be there. Asks the Ritva, what do you mean? If you take a look in Parshish Lech Lecha, Hashem communicates with Avraham and says that you should know, Rabbi Avraham, let me tell you, you're, chil- you're going to have children and they're going to go to a, le- a strange land and they're going to be there for whatever it is, 400 years. Right, and what's going to happen next? Everybody knows. What did Hashem say? And then, I'll take them and then I'll take them out. Hashem promised I'll take them out. So how do we say in the Haggadah that if we didn't go out, we were going out? Because Hashem promised we're going to go out. Okay, but if He didn't promise, then we'd still be Okay, so that's what He answers. I think that's what He answers according to my understanding. He says like this. He explains like this. That the way to read it like this. If Hashem did not make Abraham the promise, that we should go out. Okay, everybody hear the question? You hear the question? Uh, Laura, you hear? If Hashem, right, so the answer is, is that if Hashem didn't make the promise that we would not go out, then, then this would be, right? So he says, he says like this, if Hashem did not make the promise that we would go out, we would still be there. What does it mean we would still be there? We would be influenced by the Egyptian society. We would be influenced by the Egyptian society. We would be involved in their, in their beliefs, Right, we would be uh, we would be Egyptian, and we would mix in together with them, and we would never be we would always be serv- in servitude with them. Now, as, uh, I, I noticed that the uh, Paul Johnson says in his uh, in his uh, in the history of the Jews, he says in the history of the Jews, says very interesting. He says that when the Jews left Egypt, okay, they not only did themselves a favor, but they also did all of humanity a favor. This is what he says. You hear this? He said that he did. They did. The Jews did the entire humanity a favor. Why? 
first of all, just parenthetically speaking, he also says the Jews, by their very nature, are are uh, revolutionaries. We are never the establishment. He says, right? We're always we're always fighting against the establishment. As soon as we become the establishment, we fight against it. We're by our nature revolutionaries. And it, it's interesting that the Maral says, I'm not sure exactly where, but the Maral says that part of being in the Gullus, part of being in exile, is, is that we can't get along. <laughs> now, the symptoms of the fact that we can't get along is there's always a machlekes, there's always a fight, we can never agree. There's always, you know, the jokes about the opinions and the shuls and all this. There's always a shul that nobody goes to. A shul that nobody goes to. We've got plenty of them here in Phoenix, right? There's always a shul. It, 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 they, it, right? You don't go to it. So, so why does that come? That comes from because we are, we are in Golis. Golis means that we have to be spread out through all the four corners of the planet, and we can never be together. Mm-hmm. The antithesis of unity. Of, of unity is not being together. So therefore, even on a personal level, we can't be together. We can't get along. Mm-hmm. So Paul Johnson sees that, in my opinion. Paul Johnson sees that as, as, a, as the fact that we are revolutionaries. So the, he says that the reason why we're revolutionaries, listen, it's very interesting. He says that the reason why we're revolutionaries is because we're all, we're, the Jewish people are always teaching everybody something about monotheism or the right way to behave. So in order to, in order to be able to teach the world monotheism, morality, love your neighbor as yourself, you have to be a revolutionary because you always have to fight against the establishment. Abraham has to fight against Nimrod. Right? So you have to fight. You have to tell him, no, it's not like this. I don't agree. Right? So he said that the exodus from Egypt, from Mitzrayim, was also this. It was a revolution, not only. It was a revolution, not only some, because they wanted to become free and, and drink uh, pina coladas, right, and, and, and eat grapes when they got out, but it was, a, it, was, it was a statement against the Egyptian philosophy and the way of life. This was not the way. Right? To be, in his words, a very stagnant, uh, superstitious, uh, you know, uh, many gods, polytheism, right? All of this, this was a fight against their philosophy, a revolution against their philosophy. So in the, in the light of what the Ritzway is saying, if Hashem did not promise to take us out of Egypt, then we would have been, we would have been not only trapped in Egypt physically, but would have been part of that, that philosophy, would have been that, uh, that, that, that archaic, uh, you know, uh, ancient, uh, uh, nomadic uh, way of thinking. And therefore, says the Ritva, we are obligated to think of ourselves as if we ourselves came out of Egypt. Right? And therefore, we say, that's why we say later on that in every generation a person has to see themselves as if they came out of Egypt. Therefore, of course, Baruch has, 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 has commanded us to tell about this miracle. And even if we're all righteous, and even if we're all, uh, we, we know the Torah, we are, we are obligated to tell this with tremendous happiness and thanks to Hashem that we are who we are. Baruch Hashem, that we, right, that we are the Jewish people. And whoever tells this the most is praiseworthy and that leads into the next paragraph. The story with the five sages who are telling about Yetzirah Mitzrayim, who are telling about the Exodus from Egypt. That's a proof to the fact that they themselves, even though these are the wisest sages, Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Yeshua, they were sitting and they were talking about the entire night they were talking about the, um, the exodus from Egypt. Okay, so one more insight and we will conclude with this one. It's very interesting. The, uh, now we're up to, that was, that's the Ritva. Now we're going to read the next paragraph. The next paragraph is Misa. There was a story of Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Yeshua. There's a story of Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Y
Rabbi Tarfan. These five sages, Shayim Mesuf and Brak, they were sitting in Bnei Brak. They were talking about the exodus from Egypt. That entire evening. Until the students came. Our teachers. It has come the time to say the Shema of the morning, which is an obligatory obligation. So the Abarbanel, uh, in his Haggadah, the Abarbanel wrote a Haggadah called the Zevach Pesach. Okay. The Abarbanel, in his Haggadah, asks the question of, we never find that we stay up the entire night on Pesach night. Right? We, we, right? After we clean for Pesach, and we're exhausted, and we're tired, we have the well, Seder. Well, the guys are the ones who we stay eat the up. Their, their wives are probably exhausted. Well, the guy, do you ever see guys staying up uh, at night? Well, you ever see the guys stay up at night after well, they, that, the after they finish the four cups of wine and the, the matzah and all this, they have to wake up in the morning? You ever see anybody? Especially this, this, this year, we have to wake up 6.30 in the morning. At least we don't have to clean. We could just sit around. They wake up 6.30 in the morning and they right like to, 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 to have early dominating. They never see anybody stay up at night. And here, we read in the Haggadah that these five sages, they, right. stay, they stayed up the entire night. What's the reason for that? That's his question. Why do they do that? That's not, uh, that's not part of the, uh, part of the, uh, the Seder process. Right. Incidentally, when, was it, when would, would, would this have been? Like, what year would, you know? I don't know the exact year, but Rabbi Akiva was, uh, we'll look it up in a second, right? Rabbi Akiva was in uh, perhaps the second century. Oh, that's, yeah, probably. It was in the second century. We'll take a look at the exact year. Okay? So this is his question. So he says, he says like this. Um, let's see, Rabbi, Rabbi Akiva. I think it was the second century. So he says like this. He says that later on, we say in the Haggadah, Later on, we see in the Haggadah, which we just mentioned, the name of the ritual. In every single generation, a person has to see themselves as if they are the ones who left Egypt. We just explained at length what that means. Okay, um, thirty-eight fifty-eight of the Jewish year was Rabbi Akiva. Thirty-eight fifty-eight, which is ninety, the year ninety-eight. Wow. The year ninety-eight. So this. Story happened in the year ninety eight. Okay, obviously of the common era. Not before the common after the common era. Right. That's when Rabbi Akiva left. Wow. Well we after the destruction after the destruction of the Beis Amikdash. Okay? Mm-hmm. Fine. So it's it's not se- it's not second century, but it's it's well yeah, fine. It's the first century, second century. Right. Okay? So he says he says like this. He says, if you notice, what happened? When the Jewish people, every single generation, we have to see ourselves as we left Egypt. So what do we do? The kids put on a frog costume, and they dance around the table, and they throw uh, little uh, plastic, uh, plastic um, locusts yeah. on the table, and they, they, or they walk around, they do all the stuff, you know, throw, uh, I don't know, cotton balls or whatever all over the table to make it look like it's hailing. Oh, all these things we have always... We, we have all these toys. My kids bring home toys of frogs. You know, they have for every maca they have. <laughs> so why? Because we should feel like there's frogs in the oven, frogs all over the place. We should feel like, uh, like, uh, like we're, there, we're leaving Egypt. We mentioned this many times. As the Ra'ah says that uh, if, if a person acts out in a certain way, person acts in a certain way, um, then that person is going to, that person is going to uh, be, 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 believe. I just, I just, uh, 
I just heard from somebody, a secular, a secular source, I just heard somebody uh, give somebody advice. They said that the people of our society, I don't know if I agree with this, I have no idea. They said the people of our society think that the feelings have to be there before they act upon their feelings. And the person told them that it's not true. You have to first act and the feelings will come afterwards. Right? So, because people think, uh, you, you know, I, I, don't love, I don't love so-and-so. No, you know why you don't love so-and-so? Because you don't act like you love them. If you act like you love them, then you love them. It's the action that comes first, then the love comes after. It's not I have to feel the love and then, and then act on my love. It's the opposite. So there are all said the same thing in the Seder. That's why we, uh, you know, we eat matzah, we lean, uh, we do all these things, we throw frogs all over the table, because we act in a way that we were, we were subjugated and we became free. So it gives us a feeling of an imagination that we feel as if we ourselves were the ones who left Egypt. Right? So part of that is, is to reenact the night of the Exodus. Okay? What happened the night of the Exodus? Moshe comes to the Jewish people, Parshas Bo, and he tells them, go slaughter the uh, whatever, the lamb, take blood, put it all over, put it all over the, uh, all over the, the doorposts, and what happens? Hashem, will pass Hashem comes over, passes over, and kills the firstborn, right? Now my kids have a tape where they sing that uh, it's called Parah the Pijama Bam Salayla, right? Parah in his pajamas in the middle of the night. So what happens? Parah gets up in the middle of the night in his pajamas and runs out into the street and tells all the Jewish people, get out of here, right? So they leave, get out. So they leave, Shalom. Right? Now, when did they sleep? Paro was in his pajamas. Okay. He went to sleep. That's true. Because it says that he got up. Rashi says he got up from, the, from his bed. He was sleeping. Did the Jewish people sleep? No, they were sitting around with their... So there's no time to sleep because they were sitting yeah. around with their the blood and they were involved with it. When did they sleep? The Paro got up in the middle of the night. So they never went to sleep, says the uh, says the uh, the Dababinel. By the way, the Dababinel, as we mentioned before, uh, right? He was in 15th century scholar. He was the the, the Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Yitzchok Don Dababinel. He was the one who was um, in 1492. He was expelled from uh, from Spain together with the little Rabbi Yosef Karo, who was three years old, the author of the Code of Law, uh, who came with his father. They were expelled by Ferdinand and Isabella, which is the biggest mistake they ever made in in in, in their lives. Because he was uh, he was a very powerful, rich, influential, and uh, uh, a good person to have around for the success of the country, which went down afterwards, whatever. But uh, the the the, the Abarbanel was one of those scholars who went into exile, mm -hmm. who was expelled from Spain. Okay, so the Abarbanel writes in his Hagodah Zerah Pesach that these sages understood, right, that the Jewish people never went to sleep the night of the Exodus. They never went to sleep because the power was in the middle of the night and they were dealing with the blood and the Paschal lamb. They never had a chance to go to sleep. So therefore, if part of the mitzvah is to reenact the night of the Exodus, part of reenacting the night of the Exodus is not to go to sleep. It's to stay awake the entire night. So therefore, the Haggadah tells us that they stayed up the entire night fulfilling the mitzvah of, first, you know, first they had the Seder, and then fulfilling the mitzvah by telling about the, the, the Exodus from, from Egypt. That's why they stayed up the entire night. Not that it's an obligation, we don't have to do it. But they went as far. They understood that for them to, 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 to create the feeling as if, they, as if they themselves left, they stayed up the entire night because that's part of the Seder. Now since they were in Israel, they only did it uh, one night. They didn't have to do it a second night. Right? 
It wasn't, uh, they weren't doing it two nights. They did it at least one night. That's the, uh, the Zevach Pesach, the, 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 the Barbanel's perspective. Okay. I think for this evening, I think we have enough. Okay. Okay. Thank you for so joining us and have... So, Queen, Queen Elizabeth, I don't know which one, or Victoria, whatever. Yeah. So, uh, there was a particular night in the uh, city that was, he was just, everybody loved him and they said you ought to, I mean, he wasn't a knight yet. Who is this? Oh, is it person, yeah. He wasn't a knight yet, but yeah. they were telling the Queen that you ought to knight this person. He's a very good person. Yes. Okay. So, he comes and she says, kneel, and he says, I'm not allowed to kneel. So, she turns to her people and she says, why is this knight different than me? <laughs> right, I have.